Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Guardian. There is one place in the UK where Labour has consistently performed well in recent years, Wales. How much of that can be put down to the work of First Minister Mark Drakeford? I'm Rowena Mason, Deputy Political Editor of The Guardian, and this is Politics Weekly. The situation we are facing is extremely serious. Drakeford has been praised by many for his handling of the Covid crisis, repeatedly holding Boris Johnson to account and even shutting the border to English tourists. We create a Welsh Labour Party and a Wales which is a beacon of hope in a darkening world and a future which works for the many in our society and not simply a privileged few. Motivated by left-wing values, he is often described as the last Corbynite standing. So who is Mark Drakeford? Well, to answer this, I had a conversation with Chris Bryant, Labour MP for Rhonda, Richard Wynne-Jones, Professor of Welsh Politics at Cardiff University, and Ruth Masalski, political editor at Wales Online. So let's start with Chris, Chris Bryant. Chris, how would you describe Mark in in your experience of him and, and knowing him for many years? He's the tortoise in the tortoise and the hare. Um, <laughs> very sort of steady. And that's exactly what we've wanted over this um, last 18 months, I think, in Wales. He has a very clear idea of, of what politics is all about. I think he's a very decent person. You know, the fact that he spent half the pandemic living in a shed at the bottom of the garden so as to protect the rest of the family and be able to carry on doing his work as first minister showed the kind of quality uh, of the man. He's not showy. He's just about everything that he's like the, almost exactly the opposite of me. <laughs> <laughs> would you say that um, having known him for a while, would you ever have expected him to reach the heights of first minister? Um, I don't know about that. It's, it's difficult as an MP who's not a member of the Senate, you form your impressions of colleagues in the Senate slightly from a distance, uh, which is a bit more like voters in a way, isn't it, really? Um, and I, I'm not sure that we're the right people to guess. I, I actually supported the other guy last time round, Vaughan Gethin, and I think that they would been a good team during the last 18 months. But as I say, it's the... Some people would think that being steady Eddie is a really bad thing, but I, I think that he has proved his weight in gold over the last 18 months in Wales. And, and that's generally the view of, of lots of Welsh voters. And Ruth, you're a, an expert political watcher. What uh, would you say drove Mark Drakeford to go into politics in the first place? When you ask Mark himself, he talks about how 
it wasn't really something he was initially thinking of. At the time, he was working as a probation officer. And a lot of the contact he had um, with people sort of drove him into politics because he was so aggrieved by... Uh, the example I remember him giving me in an interview was that there was um, a particular block of flats and he got a call to go and speak to someone because the condition the flat was in. Um, this is when he'd moved to Cardiff. And it was a couple of weeks later, he got a call from someone different that a different flat in the same block was in a really bad condition. And it just incensed him so much that that's how he sort of began his journey into politics, which started at a council level. And then he went into being a special advisor. You know, he's made his way up through the ranks in sort of the way that you'd really wish a politician would so that they've seen those different levels of of the process and the people that they're trying to help. And one of the things that Mark Drakeford's uh, famous for is being the special advisor who coined the phrase clear red water uh, as a sign that Welsh Labour would be separate from Labour in the rest of the country. What do you think Welsh Labour stands for under Mark Drakeford? And do you, do you think that phrase is still relevant and helpful, Richard? Yeah, I mean, this is one of the, the, the interesting things about Drakeford. Um, he sits in an interesting, strange place in the Labour Party. We've just heard Chris waxing lyrical about Mark. Um, and indeed, he is studious and competent and all of those things. But he's also very, very much a figure of the Labour left. He's a, he's a kind of an interesting kind of, he's a cautious Corbynite, which is, might, might be a, some kind of contradiction in terms. Well, that's where he is. He's very much on the Labour left. He is absolutely in the kind of Rodri Morgan mode of small N nationalist, which is the real sweet spot which Welsh Labour have managed to hit in contrast to what's happened to Labour in Scotland, in very marked contrast to Labour uh, in England. And so, you know, he is a figure nonetheless uh, respected, uh, even though he is very closely attached to and, and identifies himself with absolutely the socialist left in the Labour Party. OK, Chris, how do you respond to that idea from Richard that Mark is a kind of cautious Corbyn? Well, the big difference between Mark Drakeford and Jeremy Corbyn is that Mark Drakeford has been in power. And in fact, of course, all the time that Mark has been in the Senate, Labour's been in power. So he's used to the difficult business of taking values and putting them into practice. Uh, and and there are lots of different spectra, I would argue. It's not just about left or right. It's about nationalist or internationalist. It's about the relationship between devolution and nationalism in Wales. It's about the balance between authoritarian and libertarian, which has particularly played itself out during the pandemic. Um, so I think Mark is a much more complex character. And, and if you look at one of the challenges that's ahead, for instance... Um, which is around the backlog in the NHS in Wales, phenomenally complicated issue to deal with, especially when we've lost so many um, staff in the NHS because of Brexit. How are you going to be able to um, get all those hips and knees and all those other operations done other than by basically buying up, I would argue, requisitioning the whole of the private sector um, that exists in Wales, um, in the NHS? So, why, you know, is that a left wing or a right wing uh, position, I don't know. I just think it seems to me common sense. Ruth, would you agree with that? And uh, do you think there are some similarities between uh, Mark Drakeford and Jeremy Corbyn, and particularly when it comes to his um, his persona of humility and, and living a, a modest lifestyle? I, I think Chris is right, yeah. I mean, at the very beginning, I remember when Jeremy Corbyn was made Labour leader and, and Mark Drakeford was a big backer of him and he was asked about him a lot. And then as things started going wrong in Team Corbyn, I know it was something we were talking to him about all the time. But Chris is right. I mean, Mark Drakeford's 
made himself a path and he's had to and that's the very big difference that he sort of he was really open at the very beginning of his um leadership for Welsh Labour that he didn't really want to be leader he just thought he was the best equipped person to do it he said he wasn't looking forward to first minister's questions but he'd do it you know he wasn't a he's never gone into this for power or glory I'd say he's gone into it and as we've seen in last year I think uh, Chris said earlier steady Eddie and that's at the time, I remember when he was elected Labour leader, there was a lot of criticism about that. He was up against Vaughan Gethin, who would have been the first black leader. He was up against Lean Ed Morgan, who would have been the first female leader. And instead, it was a man of a certain age who was, you know, he was criticised as being male and stale. And Mark's comeback to that was, well, I am male and I am middle-aged and there's nothing I can do about it so I can make the best go of it. You know, he was very different in his sort of approach to it. And that sort of reluctant leader has, has come around in a really success story, I think. Can I just come in on the back of that? Because I think I think this is I think all of everything that Ruth has said is absolutely true. And he does have a a real sense of, of public service, I guess, and that drives him. But I think one of the interesting things that's happened during the during the pandemic is he's really found his confidence and, and found his feet. And he, I mean, he clearly enjoyed the devolved election in May. He clearly enjoyed the experience of walking around Wales as he did and being treated not quite as a rock star, but really, you know, people coming out of their houses to greet him and being genuinely enthusiastic about him and being grateful to him. I think one of the the, the really interesting things to look for in Welsh politics over the next few years is how he uses this. He's now building a legacy. He's, you know, what he does with the power that he's now accrued and with the political capital that he's accrued in his remaining period as first minister is going to be really interesting because it'll be about, you know, building that legacy where he leaves his party, where he leaves Wales. I think, though, that the big difficulty is going to be this. Um, you know, the pandemic is still going to be with us, you know, politically um, for six months, at least. And the the long tail of the pandemic in terms of the rest of the NHS, which is, you know, almost invariably the single biggest issue facing the uh, Welsh government is going to be with us for quite a considerable time after that. You know, there's still going to be operations that are going to have to be done for the next three or five years. And that is going to be tough. Um, much as I'm a Labour politician... I think even Mark, if he were on here, would say that he has made mistakes. Um, there was a moment at the be- in January or February when I think people were a bit worried about the vaccination process in, in Wales. And then we managed to beat the whole of the rest of the world on the vaccination programme. So I think he would also say it is not just about him. It's about a team. How would you assess uh, Mark Drakeford's handling of the pandemic, Ruth? My take on this is slightly different. So I was on maternity leave for the for a year of the pandemic. So I watched it very much as a punter and as a normal person, not as a journalist. Um, and it was really interesting watching how other people reacted. So, you know, when I was allowed out and I did get to see other people, it was amazing seeing the Mark for that I knew before um, I went off and the Mark for the politician who's very measured and very calm and very, you know, he's hard to get a line out of sometimes as a journalist. You know, you want him to say something interesting or juicy. And he's just, that's not his bag. But then I went off and suddenly people was, were telling me how much they liked Mark Drakeford and how much he changed, you know, how proud they were of Wales and how proud they were of him. And I say that even from like, you know, Plaid Cymru supporters, were, diehard Plaid Cymru supporters were saying to me, he's done the best job. Um, 
it, it was difficult for Plaid, I think, in the elections this year because they wanted to say at the one point, uh, obviously they wanted Wales to be making its own decisions and, and to fly the nationalist flag and, you know, uh, independence flag and all the rest of it. But that required them to say, by the way, Mark Drakeford has done a really good job. It was one of the biggest ironies of the election. Richard, can you tell us, um, moving on from that, can you tell us the pandemic um, has demonstrated the powers of devolution, really. Um, What do you think Mark Drakeford's um, successes in it might mean for Welsh independence? Well, I mean, the the paradox of of the the recent period is, yes, it's underlined the significance of, of devolution. I mean, even the Guardian has noticed devolution, if I can put it in those slightly unkind uh, terms. Um, we're also in a period in which we have a UK government that is uh, intent on re-centralising power in the name of the, you know, the, the, the union and all that. And we have a UK government that is not respecting the mandate that Mark Drakeford has just won in the election. And so there's a real tension here at the moment. Um, Mark Drakeford is arguing, obviously Chris is right to talk about the practical issues around the NHS and so on and so forth. But, you know, Mark Drakeford has also made clear he thinks that the union, the UK in its current state is basically bankrupt and it needs comprehensive reform. And we have a UK government that is simply not willing to entertain anything the Welsh government has to say about this. Meanwhile, We've had the development of an independence movement in Wales, which is something I actually never expected to see in my lifetime. Half of, around half of Labour supporters in Wales now say they would vote independence. And Labour is doing really well in terms of hanging on to those voters. But if the devolution option keeps getting undermined from the centre, then Labour have a long-term dilemma. When we talk about legacy, it's going to be really hard for him to do anything other than COVID, you know, recovery in the next few years. Is independence and keeping those people on board actually what his legacy is going to be? Because he's put he's put Wales on the map. We can't deny that in the last year. But where does it go from here? Chris, can I ask you, um, what about Keir Starmer and can he take anything from Mark Drakeford's general success? I think the most important thing that Labour generally needs to keep in front of its mind at every stage is that we want to be in government. We don't just want to be a protest movement. And that is, in essence, I think, what we learned from the Welsh elections. I mean, we worked very, very hard in the Ronda because, as you know, um, Plaid's former leader, Leanne Wood, had taken the seat off us in the last, uh, well, it was Assembly elections then, and we wanted to make sure we won. We had the biggest swing to Labour of anywhere in the UK, 19% to, to Labour. And I think that that is, I'm sorry, Richard, but I think that is because people in the Ronda... A, they trusted Mark Drakeford. B, they thought Buffy was a great candidate. But equally, it was because Plaid banged on and on and on. And the media supported them all the way through, including The Guardian, um, in, in saying everybody now, you know, everybody's indie curious and all that kind of stuff. And actually, most voters didn't care about the constitutional matters at all. I detect absolutely no appetite for full-blown independence. Ruth, do you think Mark Drakeford would ever support a, a referendum? He's, he's in a really interesting position at the minute because we've we've just been through a spate of, I guess, maybe a month, six weeks of every interview he's done or every he's been at the Lords, he's been in front of the Lords for a committee, and um, he's done various documents, and all he's talking about and all he wants to talk about is how things aren't working with Westminster. But he's very much talking about how to make that better, not to leave. You know, he doesn't want to leave the UK. 
he doesn't think he's absolutely adamant that is not the right call for Wales. But in the same breath, it isn't working right now. And he is saying that at every single opportunity and often in really, really strong terms. Um, so that's that's a big question he's got to face. He may not want to leave the union, but the problem that he's got is how on earth is he going to get any change out of Westminster when at the minute all that happens, anytime he makes any of these comments, they just water off a duck's back to the Conservative government. He's not going to make any inroads there. And I think interestingly, to follow up on that, it's not just the fact he's not getting much traction or he's not getting any traction with, with the Westminster government. It's not clear that, uh, to return to Keir Starmer, it's not clear that he's getting much traction even within his own party. So Keir Starmer has given Gordon Brown the job of coming up with a blueprint for the future of the UK. And the Welsh government is, you know, really has been sidelined. Uh, so, you know, Drakeford is isolated, as Ruth suggests, but not just in terms of talking to Westminster and to the Conservative side of Westminster. He's not getting much joy out of the Labour side in Westminster either. And he's 66 now. I mean, that's young in terms of uh, Joe Biden or, or Donald Trump as a leader. Um, do you think he will, he'll go on and on? Do you think he wants to stay in power for a long time? Or who, if he doesn't, then who comes after him? Would it be another Mark Drakeford style politician? Or, or do you think the party could move to the centre? I think the, I mean, he, he's, he will go before the next election. He's been clear about that. And I'm sure that he, I'm sure he'll stick to that. I think what comes next is a really interesting question because two of the candidates from last time, I would expect Lynette Morgan and Vaughan Gething to stand again. The, the, the really interesting issue in terms of Labour's internal politics is the left currently don't have a candidate. And left-right, you know, it does dominate the internal life of the Labour Party. And so where they go is a really interesting question. And I don't know the answer. And I don't think they know the answer either. What do you think, Chris? I just don't think that that's how the Labour Party works. Uh, I, I, I'm guessing that Vaughan and Ilinid will be candidates and maybe Jeremy Miles as well. I don't know. You know, we'll have to see how it's going to play out. But I think there's a long way to go before then. I, I expect Mark to be, you know, leading the Welsh Government for, for several years yet. Um, and, and I disagree with this idea that the only thing that matters in life is constitutional reform. I, I never, ever in my 20 years of knocking doors in the Ronda, have had anybody raise these matters with me on the doorstep. Chris, I think, there's to, to play devil's advocate, Chris, there's something, lots of things need to change in Wales. The NHS isn't in a great position. It wasn't before the pandemic. School attainment, the PISA results, there's lots of things that people want to see. And they are the things that people talk to you about on your doorstep, because I've been door knocking in the Ronda, not with you, but with Leanne and, and other people. What the, the difference is, how do we change those things? So constitutional change does feed into it, so while it's not something people on the doorstep are talking about, I think we all have responsibility to talk about how do we do things better so that those basic things we all rely on, be it the NHS or education, healthcare generally, how do they get better? Ruth, we'll give you the last word. Can you can you tell us what you think the next couple of years holds for Mark Drakeford if he is going to leave, um, as he says he will, before the next election? It's really hard, isn't it? He's, there's absolutely no doubt that COVID recovery is is going to take over. The waiting list, there's over 600,000 people now on waiting lists here in Wales. Um, that isn't a problem that's going away anytime soon. There are already, as I just said, questions about education that need looking at. There's a new curriculum coming into Wales. There's, you know, there's big things happening here, but COVID recovery is going to overtake all of that. What's interesting is what is Mark Drakeford going to try and do on the side of that? There's some talk it might be in terms of changing the Senate, so more members of the Senate. And that is a deeply unpopular conversation to have with lots of people on doorsteps. 
but there's an argument that that's the only way he can make the Senedd better. And is that going to be his legacy? On that note, Chris Bryant, Richard Wynne-Jones and Ruth Masalski, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Rina. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that's all from us this week. Make sure to look out for next week's episode, where in the final part of our summer series, Jessica Elgott learns more about the man tasked with getting Brexit over the line and keeping the EU on its toes, David Frost. But for now, I want to thank my guests, Chris Bryant, Richard Wynne-Jones and Ruth Masalski. The producers are Yolene Goffin and Danielle Stevens, and I'm Romina Mason. Enjoy your summers and thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.